afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, Jim, let's get some more questions here on the show. And this next one, another very popular topic sent to corny drive through at gmail.com from Chuck in Long Island, New York. Happy New Year to you both. I wanted to get your thoughts on the recent news that Pro Wrestling Torch, excuse me, I guess that the Pro Wrestling Torch let Bruce Mitchell go after a column he posted on John Huber's death that suggested that AEW was covering up the fact that he actually died of COVID-19. Wade Keller put out a statement stating that besides the fact that Bruce had little evidence to back it up, the column also didn't go through the normal vetting and editing process. Yeah, yada, 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 yank me, yank me, pull me. I guess that's the big question there, and a lot of people have sent in questions. Bruce Mitchell, 30 years with the Pro Wrestling Torch, no longer with the Pro Wrestling Torch. It's 30 years with, like, it's 30 years with IBM, and all they gave him was a wristwatch. 30 years of writing for a cheap knockoff publication that later became a cheap, cheap knockoff website for a guy just like him that likes to manufacture crises. And this is what I was talking about here, because I knew we, somebody was going to ask about it, because so many people have. I knew you were going to bring it up. What I had to think about it, or what I had to say about it, and basically, here's another guy that I've been saying for 25 years was a lying sack of shit, and now people have just figured out that he was a lying sack of shit. So am I surprised? No. I'm surprised it took this long. Bruce Mitchell has for a long time thought that he was either Bob Woodward or Carl Bernstein or some kind of crusading reporter. And what he does is he takes some issue and he figures out some reason why somebody should be outraged or upset about it, whether there is any reason or not, and whether the facts fit that. And then he crusades against it. And that's the same reason that I haven't spoken to him in 25 years. And that's the same reason that most people don't speak to him or the, you, you said the, the vetting processes at the, like the pro wrestling torch is the New York times or the Washington post or NBC news or Newsweek magazine or whatever the case, I guarantee you Wade Keller liver lip Laganad him. He'd read the thing beforehand. He probably, if he hadn't read it, he didn't care what Bruce Mitchell said because Bruce Mitchell is the only person for the past 30 years has been able to tolerate Wade Keller because it Wade Keller gave Bruce Mitchell a platform to fabricate shit and make up manufactured crises. And those crises led people to read Wade Keller's fucking red scare website. They, they deserve each other. But another person that I said was a piece of shit for 25 years, suddenly everybody in unison says, hey, this guy's a piece of shit. How could we have known? I read this column. And at first, going into it, for the first half of it, I'm like, what the fuck? Why is anybody upset? He, It, it sounds like Brody Lee's press agent wrote this. The most glowing a review of the guy as a person and as a talent and, 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 and everything he had done. And then when he takes the left turn, then I realized, yeah, he got everybody. He hooks everybody with all these nice things he's saying about this guy and praising him. And we're all together in this. He He's on our side, right? 
And then he branches off into lunacy. Lunacy. After he praises the God of the heavens, he th then says, but AEW and WWE had already been compromising pandemic health standards by gathering in Florida to even have events. It's no secret that both companies, WWE in particular, have not been transparent as to the consequences to the people involved of even putting on these shows. What the f The reason why I'm sure they came out and even qualified the reason why Brody Lee passed away by saying it was a non-COVID related issue is because since that's been the big news for the past year, one would think that if you hear anybody hear about anybody dying, unless they're hit by a truck, it's COVID. So they specifically said that so people would at least know that much. But otherwise, the guy had asked, he didn't have any publicity on this. The guy had asked, don't make a big deal out of it. The guy's wife wants to be, I'm sure, even more private right now than this whole thing has been to begin with. And for the kids and everything else. And then this fucking weasel tries to start a crusade that somehow... AEW should have cut should come clean and tell the entire story and all the guy's medical details because because he equates this to the WWE reaction after the Chris Benoit murder suicide for a strong irresponsible example that's a quote of wrestling companies covering up health risk involved in the lifestyles and standards the business often requires what the fuck is he talking about?
gentlemen and welcome to episode 239 of the Hoots podcast hope you guys are having a wonderful week it is january 8th 2021 is our first episode of 2021 and we got a big one in store for you guys today we got the return of brother carter after he was handling some uh new year's slash waterfall duties <laughs> Um, so nice to have Brian Carter back with his presence this week. Um, you'll hear the thoughts of Derrico at the end of the show, obviously, per ritual. And, uh, of course, uh, everybody's favorite segment in podcasting today. What 
the hell is wrong with AEW? And we got back to business this week after the show I saw last night on Dynamite. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to review Wrestle Kingdom later on the sh- show today. Look, uh, It's been a really wild week for me, uh, not only professionally but personally. Um, but I did cover both nights of Wrestle Kingdom, so I'll give you my thoughts on what happened. Uh, later on in the show and also make some predictions for the Impact uh, Genesis show that's coming up on Saturday. Um, don't be remiss, of course, we'll be talking about uh, this week at WWE as we're heading closer and closer to the Royal Rumble. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot to talk about. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you for giving this show a chance. All you have to do is subscribe to the podcast. It comes to you free of charge every single week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anywhere you get your podcasts from. And if you could, leave us a four or five-star review slash rating. It helps expand the reach of the show. And I want to gauge on how you guys feel about the podcast, positively and or, no, and or negatively, as we head, to, head here in 2021. And um, the goals are a lot here for the Hoots Podcast. And I think um, I, I mentioned last year was the best year this show has ever had. Um, outreach wise, content wise, and just numbers and stuff. But it's all about progressing and taking that next step. So that's what we're going to do here in 2021. Um, the, the, the theme, the essential uh, message of this show is not changing. The vibe of the show is not changing. Uh, what we're doing here is upholding the standard of wrestling fans and also reminding folks that you can be a wrestling fan without talking about booking and acting like you're an expert when you're not. That's it. <laughs> that's that's basically it. Uh, we're here to help you help remind you that you can enjoy wrestling without acting like you're responsible for what happens on AEW or WWE or any wrestling company that you watch. So. Thank you all for the support. Um, if you could, please bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com if you want to check out any of my play-by-play articles that I do. Uh, go check out that bad boy. And then finally, uh, you know, uh, I'm on social media. I'm, I'm trying to back off of it a little bit more this year, actually. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the Hoots Podcast. Instagram, Joshy Lopez94, that's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94. If you want to check me out doing some guitar covers, go check out Josh Lopez Music on Instagram as well. So uh, for those those watching on Facebook, uh, I've been telling the people the last couple weeks, uh, for those listening to the audio version right now, every Thursday, I record the Good Brothers Q&A session (laughs) on Facebook so you get to see me and record the first part of the show uh, on Facebook. Uh, shout out to StreamYard uh, that's allowed me to do this. It's a pretty cool platform to interact with you guys and record at the same time so you can see what I'm doing. And, um, yeah, so we're going to do the Good Brothers Q&A session. got a lot of good questions this week per ritual from um, the Good Brothers Chris Aletta and Nate the Great. Um, excited to see what they uh, cooked up this week. And... You guys know the drill with the Good Brothers Q&A session. Basically, all it is is, you know, if you're a Good Brother against this, you want to ask me something something you want to know about me personally. You want to ask me about wrestling, sports, music, relationships, depression. Any, no, there's nothing off limits that I would not talk about here at the podcast. So uh, the Good Brothers Q&A session is a, 
uh, one of my favorite segments in the show because uh, we get to interact with our most passionate listeners and uh, good brothers that really support this podcast. And without your guys' support, this show doesn't mean anything. And I really do appreciate the time that Nate and Chris uh, sent out. The time they sent out, the, the time they carve out to send these questions, it really does mean a lot to myself and Brenda Carter. And uh, we appreciate the support. So, all right, let's get this bad boy started. We're going to start off with Chris Zaletta, the good brother. You can follow me on Twitter at XTeamZaletta24X on the Twitter. He says, what up, Luz? What up? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. And we're starting off hot here. So, <laughs> do you think this country will ever be united again? Oh, man. we got to start off with a juggler here. You know what, Chris, as much as I would want to say yes, uh, I don't think in my lifetime this country will ever be united. Um, it's not united. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot to be proud of to be an American these days, if that if that's a, too much of a controversial take. If you're offended by that, be offended because it's the truth. Um I know this has been the case for the majority of time, and I know most countries and most things of life are filled with people that are just stuck in their bubbles and, you know, life's not fair and blah, 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 blah. But the the lack of human decency that I'm seeing these days is kind of sickening, to be honest with you. Like, I really don't give a fuck what side of the political fence you're on. Like, I don't support... Democrats, I don't support Republicans. I do my own thing and I can think for myself. And, you know, whatever conspiracy theories you want to make, whatever the situation is right now at DC, it's just disgusting to watch. I, I really don't know what else there needs to be said when it comes to Donald Trump because if you saw what happened yesterday and you still don't think the guy's a piece of shit, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You, it's it's just it, it's just absolutely uh, disgusting what happened yesterday, but I'm not shocked. You know, I wasn't shocked when the looting stuff went down. I didn't agree with that. Uh, I wasn't shocked by what happened yesterday. I certainly don't agree with what happened yesterday. It's just a really disgusting situation right now. This country, everybody's out for themselves, which is par for a course for America, and. I don't know if this country will ever be united as long as I'm alive in this time period. I really hope it does one day, hopefully, but some shit's got to change. But here's the problem. You have some people with 200 plus years of tradition and mindsets and beliefs driven into their core. And some people are just not going to get off that perch. They're not going to look from other people's perspectives, they're going to do their thing, and, you know, that's that's life, I guess. It's just something that I can't accept with some of the stuff that I saw yesterday, the, you know, excusing bad behavior, because we got a problem with a president that really doesn't give a crap about his fan base at the end of the day, let's be honest, this is all a fucking circus act. Um, you know, the four-year publicity stuff's going to come to an end. Uh, I saw today that the Congress basically confirmed what everybody already said it was. Uh, Joe Biden will be the president. Donald Trump will be out on January 20th, and that's that. <laughs> I'm not surprised 
that there was a protest or stuff that, that was going down before this whole transition period was going to happen. Did any believe that this was not going to happen, given this dude's track record, given the fact that this dude has a friendship with Vladimir Putin? You didn't think he was just going to pout down and accept defeat? I'm not stupid. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I, For me, both parties are so full of shit. Like, you can't trust anything they say. So, the fact that we elected a celebrity businessman as a president just tells you how fucked up the country is in the first place. Screw what his beliefs are. I really don't care what he believes. I don't care what his fan base believes. I don't. <laughs> so, how can we be united when us as a country, our perceptions that uh, we're just... Idiots. <laughs> and it's a clown show. That's what our perception is. People laugh at the United States. And I don't blame them. Because I'll be laughing at them too. This country's a joke. On all fronts. I'm not picking a, I'm not picking a side here. There's, there's no side to pick. Our country is a flat out joke. The flag does not mean anything right now. The country's not united. So what are we doing here? We, we take advantage of all these great uh, gifts and uh, opportunities that we have, houses and internet and all this stuff around the world. But still, even at the end of the day, we can't even talk to each other. <laughs> Nobody can have any like common co uh, communication without somebody getting in their feelings or misinterpreting, it's misinterpreting what somebody's saying. Like, this country and society is just a shithole right now. <laughs> I put it out on Twitter yesterday. The country is filled with enablers that can't look themselves within the mirror. And it starts right there. Because it starts within. Because if you don't have any self-awareness, you can't take the time to look and see somebody's opinion that's different from yours. Then the, the, it's not their problem, it's yours. Because you can't look... <laughs> you know, it's one thing to go through life and... Be like, okay, it doesn't matter what anybody says to me. I'm going to say what I want, and that's it. And, uh, like, you got to get both perspectives. Like, there's, hell, you really think I want to listen to Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer talk about wrestling when I literally disagree with everything they say? No. But part of my job is listening to different sides of the arguments and trying to gain, gain different perspective on wrestling. But also at the same time, these are the same people that kind of represent the whole MAGA crowd where they're set with one philosophy and that's it. And they don't look at different points of view. And they're setting their ways. And that's, that's their deal. It, it, it's just, it's really unfortunate what happened yesterday. It didn't need to happen. The looting didn't need to happen. Um, it's just a really shitty time in the country, and I really hope before my time in this earth is done that maybe there'll be some unity, but I doubt it. I really do. <clears throat> do you see any upsets in the NFL playoffs? Oh, man. We got a couple of good games this weekend. I'm thinking about it right now. We got, um... The Ravens against the Titans in Tennessee, right? It takes the water. Okay. 
We also got <clears throat> we got the um, Bills against the Colts. Tampa Bay gets the Red, uh, the Washington football team. Also got um, Bears taking on the Saints. Uh, excited for that. We got I'm trying to remember what the other games were this week. Anyway, we've got like four, four or six games this weekend. It's going to be pretty fun. I think the upset I'm looking to right now, and I wouldn't really call this an upset, but I have a feeling that Baltimore is going to beat the Titans this weekend. Chris, I, I really think that Lamar wants to have a big out big breakout performance in the playoff in the playoffs that he hasn't had yet. So if I had to pick one upset this weekend, it would definitely be the Ravens over the Titans. But even then I don't even consider that an upset. That's just how the season's played out. So that's gonna be a fun game uh, fun game to watch and um, excited to see what Josh Allen does, man. The guy put on an MVP type of season. Let's see what he does in the playoffs now, too. So, a lot of good football to watch this weekend. Uh, the NBA MVP this season will be... Oh, man. Well, it was Giannis last season. I don't think it will be him this year. Uh, it'll probably be Alfred James again. I... I I I wouldn't be surprised if it's LeBron again. Um, yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> I don't want to give people butthurt over my thoughts on LeBron James. Um, what do you think of the Bulls team so far? I like what I've seen so far. I mean, the record is what it is. Uh, this is the first uh, season with Billy Donovan as the head coach, and I've liked what I've seen so far. I haven't had really a chance to watch all their full games yet. This due to my work schedule and this move, but uh, I've liked what I've seen so far for the team, and I like the effort. And uh, you know, it was great to hear Stacey King call games and stuff. And uh, I think once the whole football season's done, and I get some time to sit down with this transcript uh, schedule, then obviously I'll have the time to uh, check out more games for the Bulls. But I've liked for the highlights and stuff that I've seen so far. I've liked what I've seen so far. Your favorite match for Wrestle Kingdom? Chris, I'll save that answer for the review later on. I appreciate that question, though. Thoughts on the Women's Dusty Classic announcement? I, I think it's really cool, actually. Um, you know, everybody props up for the fact that XC does have the best women's division in all professional wrestling. And um, more power to them. I think it's really cool that they're doing a tag team tournament for the women. And I don't know what... It, they said, is it just a cup or whoever wins the match gets a future women's tag team title match? I'm not sure. Either way, I I, I like the announcement. I, I think it'd be pretty cool. I mean, there's not enough tournaments for me to cover in wrestling, right? <laughs> uh, so I, we got the men's Dusty uh, Rose Tag Team Classic uh, starting next week on NXT. And um, excited when this one comes out as well, so... I know uh, last year a lot of people were like, hey, can we have, like, the Queen of the Ring tournament? I mean, you can do any tournament you want. And the fact that the women are getting a women's tag team tournament, I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, no issues on that end. Which match would you prefer at the Royal Rumble? Roman versus Goldberg or Drew versus Goldberg? I I gotta say, um... I gotta say, Drew. You know what? I, I, that's another thing where I have to say this for the the, the this week in WWE segment. 
because uh, Goldberg came back at Raw and everybody's in their feelings about it, and I'll talk about it later on. But um, for me, I'd probably say Drew, because I, I think this one's a one-off. I don't think this is something that you're going to build off to WrestleMania or anything like that. So uh, for me, I'd probably say Drew, uh, just only because right now Roman's in the character he's in right now on SmackDown, and I love what he's doing as a tribal chief. I just don't see him and Goldberg meshing right now for what they're doing. Like, it worked with Roman still being a good guy. I was actually looking forward to seeing that match at Tampa last year. And it didn't happen, obviously, because of the uh, coronavirus. So, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I think Drew and Goldberg wouldn't be too bad, actually. It'd probably be the same match layout that Drew had with Brock Lesnar. And let's not forget, those were about Goldberg beating Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. I mean, Braun Strowman beat Goldberg in three minutes. I mean, let's hold our horses before we make some odd assumptions. Does Jay White leave New Japan? If he did, do you think his stardom could be any bigger than it is in Japan? Oh, absolutely. Because the guy is that damn good. <laughs> there's, there's a reason why I call him the Triple H of New Japan. I don't say that lightly. I don't Draw out draw that comparison a lot to other people because Triple H is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. He is, Jay White, right now, by far, is one of the best, if not the best, cerebral in-ring wrestlers in the entire world today. His promos are top-notch. You actually want to see the guy get his ass kicked? And... Oh, absolutely his star could be bigger than what it is in Japan. Just depends where he goes, you know. <laughs> uh, you can work for any company, and I don't believe this is the end for Jay White in um, New Japan. I really don't. I mean, yeah, you could go off with his promo they had at Wrestle Kingdom, but for me, I just think um, I, I think Jay White's in the perfect position he's in right now, and. If he does decide to leave, his work, his talent will answer that question for you guys. So, uh, Jay Weiss is bad. I love I love covering that guy's matches. Uh, thank you, Chris, as always, for the questions. Good brother. I appreciate it. Uh, let's uh, transition to Nate the Great's question. You can follow him at Twitter, by the way, at Psycho Nagiri on Twitter. Uh, he says... I don't know if I've, I've asked this before or not, but I'll ask again. Who's had the tougher job during the pandemic era? Wrestlers performing in front of or no one, or the writers trying to get new eyes in a time like this? Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> I got to say this really quick, and I'm just going to make this quick and brief to the point, okay? For me... I personally don't give a shit about booking. I'm just going to be out front with you. For those that have listened to my podcasts or video shows over the last eight years, you guys know one thing. My main interest is what's going on inside that ring. I don't care who goes over. I don't care who loses. I don't care who's being scripted this way, who's being scripted that way. I really don't give a shit. And I'm not going off on you, Nate, so don't take it. That way, all right? I'll just answer the question because this is that really bothers me right now with wrestling. It's really hard to present pro wrestling without an audience. 
I understand that. At the same time, you guys give these companies a lose-lose situation before they ever produce any show they do. Like, for me, when I critique AEW, I'm critiquing the wrestling in the ring. But for you guys, a lot of you guys, like, the only thing that matters to you guys is booking and what's written on the show and storylines and trying to make WWE, like, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones and uh, shows to be written like that. You have storylines like that. Like this form of entertainment is more comic book than it is Better Call Saul or The Sopranos or Shameless. This genre of wrestling, uh, the char of it is the fact that it doesn't make sense. So I, I just never get... I don't understand when people go on soapboxes about angles not making sense or a match not making sense. You got two guys in wrestling gear with all oiled up having a choreographed match. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's kind of what wrestling is, but that's why we enjoy it. So this recent wave of people trying to be grammar police and trying to act like they're the experts at TV writing and they understand the television business when they don't. It's just really laughable at this point. Like, the tweets that I see during, like, Raw or SmackDown is just, it's just, it's just funny because people go out of their way to act like they are the smartest person in the room when it comes to how to book a show, how to do this, how to do that. When the end of the day, you don't. And neither do I. How about that, guys? I, I have enough humility inside of me to say that I don't have the answers for what would help Raw get the same reigns it did in the Attitude Era. It's just a different time period, and people are not watching TV live like they did back in the day. They're just not. Like, I don't know one show where I had to literally be there at this time, and that's it. I'm cutting everything off, and I have to watch it like it's the 90s. There's nothing like that. Hell, I don't even put the Bears game on when it comes out live. I wait for a couple minutes and then I go on with it. Like, nobody's forcing you to watch one particular show at this time. Obviously, it's different with pay-per-views and with my line of work, with making transcripts and stuff, I have to do that. But at the same time, nobody's forcing you to watch one show at one time. So, for me... I think it's it's hard for the wrestlers to perform in front of no one because no matter what they do, it's going to be freaking boggled down by subjective booking debates on how this match should have went or how that match should have went. And the fact that people still right now, while we're in this pandemic, are still acting like these shows need to be booked as if it was in front of a 20,000 uh, 20, fan arena in Brooklyn or something. Like, the way they analyze the show is that the crowds are still there, but they're not. You're having a wrestling show in front of virtual screens or wrestlers around a damn tailgate area. Like, what are we really processing here? Okay, so you get loud noises from AEW sometimes, but does that really mean that these wrestlers are over? 
And and are you going to personally tell me that Twitter is the ultimate gauge of who's over and not? Because Twitter is another cesspool. Twitter, wrestling Twitter, is filled with people who can't think for themselves. They don't have the balls to think for themselves. They need to be led like little babies. They need to be tucked in. They need to be pampered in. Like, they need the answers for everything. Like, they, they can't think for themselves. How are you going to say, oh, there's not enough TV elements in the show, and then when you don't have the answers that you want to a few one week, you go on a soapbox about it, and then they give you those answers the next week. Like, like I, there's so many people that are so stuck on their whole bunker of everything WWE does is wrong. And that's the thing. Like, do I know that they make mistakes? Yeah, but here's the thing, everybody. Every wrestling company makes mistakes. With, with the fact that I cover all their shows and actually break them down for what they're happening, the stuff that you complain about is really not the case. You know, it's one, one thing to look at on look things in uh, a narrow-minded point of view and having only one-sided opinions and looking things on paper. And there's actually the time where you're actually paying attention to the show and doing your homework. And um, I, it, it's a really tough question because I can say, yeah, it's hard for the writers to come up with ideas for shows that's not going to have that full real-life wrestling feel to it. But also think about it for a performer. You're going out there, let's say AJ Styles and Elias had really two good matches over the last couple weeks. But you're going to have people on social media just shrug their shoulders because they're obsessed with booking. Like The only thing that matters to wrestling fans in 2021 is booking. Let's be honest. You're not... You're not a booker. You've never been a booker. Like, stop trying to salt your intelligence and also go on soapbox and saying, Oh, I'm sorry WWE insulting my intelligence. Uh, like, <laughs> it's a double entendre. Everybody's insulting their own intelligence. You tell me that AEW doesn't insult our intelligence or impact or the fact they shot somebody during a wedding? Like, come on. I get it. A lot of you dislike the WWE right now. And that's your prerogative. And I, and here's the thing. My favorite show is not Raw or SmackDown. My favorite show is NXT UK. So before I get to all, oh, all you just do is defend WWE. No, I'm not defending WWE. I'm debunking stupid-ass narratives that just have no basis in fact. It's just all a narrative and just opinions over stuff that you're not actually applying any context to. That's the difference. Next question. Who would you like to go who would you like to see go to New Japan? I don't know about free agents, but I for me I like I'm like more interested in having like a WWE New Japan like super show. That's something that I would like to see. I don't know like what free agents out there that could like make a big impact out there in New Japan, but um that'd be my answer for that question. Are you more a fan of the White Sox or Cubs and who do you think will have a better year? 
Oh, I'm a White Sox fan. <laughs> There's no question about that. I'm a White Sox fan. So uh, absolutely, White Sox all the way. They're going to have a great year this year. How can NXT make the Cruiserweight division more relevant? Well, I think they they did a good job of that last night. I mean, they had Santos Escobar against Graham Metzlik in, uh for a Cruiserweight title. I got to tell you guys, 205 Live's been putting out some good shows recently. They're having a lot of good matches recently, and I've liked what I've seen so far for the brand. And I think NXT is a better feel for that division. And, um, you know, you still got Jordan Devlin, who's also the real NXT Cruiserweight champion. Uh, he's doing some good stuff on NXT UK as well, so can't forget about him. So I just say keep putting them on TV. That, that's the biggest thing. I mean... I'd like to say maybe you can have another Cruiserweight Classic uh, this summer or something like that. I think that'd be cool. But I think right now Santos Escobar is doing the best job of any uh, any Cruiserweight champion has ever done before. Um, the fact's the fact. Uh, Cruiserweight title was never defended on a takeover until he was the champion. And uh, he... Had he had a title defense on a takeover style show on the USA Network last night, so <laughs> yeah, I, I like what they're doing right now with the cruiserweight division. And Santos Escobar is the man. Once Okada leaves, who do you see stepping up as the next top guy? One answer and one answer only: Shingo Takagi. All right, last question for Nate. What's the worst you've ever been depressed, and how did you get out of that rut? Well, uh, I'd probably say my worst depression was wasn't last year. Uh, it was my senior year of high school was my worst year of my life, <laughs> and um, it got dark for a while. Uh, I'll be honest about that. I was not in a good place all around in 2012. It was just not a good year for me. It's not a year I like to look back on. Um, I talked about this last week. It's, it's just true. You have to push yourself through any obstacle that comes your way. You can have... People say that they're there for you and this and that. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not. But for me, I really don't tap into flaky energy because all I have within me is what's inside of me. It's not what somebody says. It's not what somebody thinks. It's not what anybody tries to offer up as advice. If I need to get out of the rut, I need to get out of the rut. And I'm the only person to get myself out of that rut. Nobody else. You know, I really thought I was on a certain path in life. I thought I was going to be just playing music for the rest of my life. And I was going to do this. I'm going to go to Berkeley. I'm going to do all this stuff. And, you know, life slaps me in the face. And I had to take a different path. And this path brought me to what you're listening to right now. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be in a situation where I'm still young enough where I could still pursue music if I wanted to. And I still play. But, um, you know, <laughs> when shit hits the fan at home, um, that's just rough. And when you go to a high school that's uh, a high school that was just filled with people just feeding off perceptions and stuff and not understanding 
your reality, it gets difficult after a while, especially when you try to be a nice person. And then in one way or another, you end up being one of the most hated people in your class for absolutely no reason. Well, hey, sorry, guys, that my world was crashing down literally at the worst time possible. So, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you for uh, making your assumptions about me, even though you don't know a goddamn thing about me. <laughs> um, so, what I did was I didn't feel sorry for myself, you know? I took the time that I needed to go out of my way to better myself. Uh, I was really shy during that time period too, so to think about it eight years later that I'm recording podcasting, that I'm a professional broadcaster, it's really something, man. It's it's not been easy. I've had a lot of things come my way positively and negatively in my life just like anybody else. And for me, what I did is I put I pushed myself out of that rut. You know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to make sure that I'm the best at what I do. And I'm going to be the hardest working person in the field that I'm working in. And I don't need to post it out on social media about what I'm doing all the time. But I'm proud of what I do. I'm proud of where I am in my life because I could have went down an even darker path. And there was times where I thought that I didn't want to live anymore. And that's just being honest. But I'm here. Uh, I'm enjoying life right now, and right now, it's all about getting better. <laughs> that, that's the thing. That's all I can do right now. And if you're depressed, again, you've got to tap into what's best for you. You don't have to be cocky. You don't have to be arrogant to be considered selfish. It's not selfish for you to protect your heart. It's not selfish for you to protect your energy. It's not selfish for you to not... Surround yourself with enablers and people that really don't give a shit about you at the end of the day. You know, we could be blood, we could be friends, we could be whatever. But only I can tell myself within who's actually there for me and who's not. And that's the truth. Because more times than not, in life, all you have is yourself. And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to Are you gonna sit there and have people feel sorry for you? Are you going to start feeling sorry for yourself? Are you going to start blaming people for why you're not in this position? What, what are you going to do about it? That's the thing. What are you going to do about the situation that you're in? Did you cause yourself being depressed? No, it's a real mental health issue. You don't just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm depressed. This stuff is real. It's something that you should take seriously. And it's not something you should scoff at because it doesn't fit your mantra and your bravado. Depression is a real, real thing. And, you know, how you get out of that rut is you have to do it yourself. You have to find that way for yourself. I can't tell you to do one thing and that's it. There's not a book for it. There's not a step-by-step booklet for you to get. (laughs) Shout out to Biggie for that line right there. And um, you have to do it within yourself because you have yourself the end of the day. That's why I always say at the end of the show, be the authentic product that is yourself. That's not to be selfish. That's not for you to be arrogant. That's for you to understand who you are because only you are going to push yourself in the direction that you want to be in your life. So thank you, Nate, for that awesome question. I appreciate all of you guys for taking time out of your day to check out this Good Brothers Q&A session. 
And uh, as always, all you have to do is send me a question at the Hoots Podcast or uh, hit me up on the Twitters at JoshLopez94 or at Josh Lopez Music. And with that being said, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to be uh, going over what happened this week in the world of WWE as we get closer and closer to the Royal Rumble. So once again, thanks, thanks to all of you guys for checking out the video, and I really appreciate it. We'll be right back here, right here on the Hoots Podcast. Back here on the Hoots Podcast, ready to talk about what happened about this week in WWE. We had Raw Legends Night. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But first, I want to talk about what happened on SmackDown Live last week, the first SmackDown of 2021, uh, down there in St. Petersburg, Florida, at the Tropicana Field, the new home for the Thunderdome in WWE. And we started off the show, uh, the big dog, Roman Reigns, uh, having this New Year proclamation, uh, talking about how uh, everything he says uh, turns into gold and uh, you know, <laughs> you know when the tribal cheat speaks, he doesn't lie. That Oose is k- clicking on all cylinders right now. You know the whole drill with uh, Cordell Patterson and uh, not Cordell. I want to talk about Kevin Owens. Um, <laughs> Kevin Owens uh, having that never stop fighting attitude that led to another match with Kevin Owens and Jay Uso. Carlos won with the stunner after the match. Uh, this massive brawl broke out in the Thunderdome. They're fighting all over the LED screens, and basically Roman threw Owens off the Thunderdome through two tables to close out the show. So that was a pretty crazy scene there. I liked the match with uh, Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair against Bailey and Carmella. I thought that was a good match. It was nice to see Carmella win. I always say, guys, every single week, you got to maximize your TV time. And nobody does it better on SmackDown that's not like an established name than Carmella. And I feel bad that in my field that we don't pay the proper, uh, we don't have the proper acknowledgement and respect for what Carmella does in the ring. But you're going to get it today, girl, because you are fucking awesome. And I really enjoy covering Carmella's work. Uh, Big E will have a big. Intercontinental Championship match tomorrow night on SmackDown. As I recorded this on a Thursday, he'll be putting his Intercontinental title on the line against Apollo Cruz. Also, in the program, we're going to have uh, the Street Profits against Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode for the tag team titles. And I really do hope if Roode and Ziggler lose, I hope Roode turns on Dolph Ziggler. I really do. What else happened in the show? Oh, it's nice to see Liv Morgan on my TV screen. Nothing else needs to be said there. Can you see what's going to go down with Sonya Deville? You know, she just was walking the backstage area, so it's nice to see her on our television screens, right? And then um, Daniel Bryan and Otis, <laughs> what they're doing with Chad Gable is fucking hilarious, man. If you haven't saw their backstage segment with Cesaro and Nakamura, go out of your way to check it out. It's pretty funny. Uh, but Daniel Bryan and uh, Otis defeated Nakamura and Cesaro, so. A decent SmackDown. Um, obviously, it was hard to top what happened the week prior uh, for the Christmas episode, but uh, solid enough show from SmackDown this week. Uh, let's get into Monday Night Raw, but before we get into Legends Night, let's hear some comments from Mustafa Ali from Retribution. Why do you seem to be 
Good shit right there from uh, Chicago's own, by the way, Mustafa Ali. That's the year of my Raw talk. So we had Raw Legends Night, right? So obviously for those that are in that bunker of everything that WWE does is wrong, we're going to have a field day with this show, right? So let's talk about the good stuff that happened because this is a positive show. Uh, This is another good couple weeks of uh, wrestling matches. Um, I don't think Raw gets enough credit for the matches that they put on on the show. And also, Samoa Joe is just a fantastic commentator. (laughs) 
I really do feel like sometimes during a match, like, he feels bad that he's not in the match. Like, you can feel his intensity during some of the exchanges and sequences in the matches. And I just like what he does because it's really hard to listen to the Raw commentary team. I'll give people that. <laughs> Their commentary team is brutal. Uh, I can't listen to Top Phillips. It's just hard to listen to that guy. But, um, you know... Speaking of Legends Night, uh, big pop, always a big pop to hear former guest of the PWE show, uh, Teddy Log on Raw to kick off the show. He is like, Miz and Morrison, you're going to go one-on-one with The Undertaker. <laughs> you know, the two greatest things about Teddy Log, first, who's going to fight The Undertaker? And every match had to be a tag team match. <laughs> Nobody loved tag team wrestling more than Taylor. I don't care who it is. Everybody could probably the Young Bucks at AEW's tag team division, but Teddy Long loves tag team wrestling more than anybody. I, I had a huge pop. <laughs> Miz and Morrison? <laughs> Whoa, the other thing. Oh, shit, I love that. Uh, what else? Let's see. Oh! to mention. Shout out to Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre. What a fantastic WWE title match that was on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. Keith Lee doing an avalanche Spanish fly is just absolutely inane to me. Um, Drew and Keith had Tremendous chemistry. This is the first time I saw these two have a singles match with each other. I know they fight each other in other promotions. But if you ever have more matches like Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee, sign me up. Because those guys beat the tar out of each other. That was a barn burner. And for those stuck in that fickle Drew McIntyre hate, because um, Drew McIntyre has got to be a scapegoat now, right? Uh if you can't, if you could say that Drew McIntyre can't go in the ring, I don't know what to tell you because <laughs> Drew McIntyre is a lot better than a lot of you guys put on the pedestal. I'm just gonna say that. Um, so Drew McIntyre retained over Keith Lee, and uh, up coming out with Goldberg coming out of the ring to challenge Drew McIntyre to a match at the Royal Rumble. A lot of people are in their feelings about should Goldberg be there, should Goldberg not be there. Honestly, for me, like, I don't have personal beef with Goldberg. Do, do I personally want to see Goldberg wrestling in a match for a title? No. Do I need to see him in a match? No. But for me, and I, you guys know this with me, I am not a selfish, entitled wrestling fan. I don't need the entire wrestling shows to be booked to my liking because there's other... There's, millions and millions of people that are watching shows so what i may not like you may like you know (laughs) aew you know (laughs) like we have our differences and that's okay i asked somebody this last week why do people feel the need that they need to be happy every time a wrestling show goes off the air like why do baby faces need to close out the show all the time with babyface endings, like this Brian Alvarez obsession about WWE uh, overdoing with, with, with heat angles. You know what? They should get more credit for that because barely any wrestling company does heat angles because nobody knows how to process what a heel is in 2021. 
Nobody does. So God forbid WWE wants to do an angle that pisses people off. Like, I didn't know that I started watching wrestling for my feelings and I need to go to a therapist because, oh, Raw's hurting my feelings. Oh, it's too, it's too much uh, relegated in heat. There's not enough baby faces. Okay, and then when they start pushing baby faces, oh, it, they're doing too much. You're shoving them down our throats. Like, like I said in the beginning of the show, you don't allow WWE to win because you want them to suck. <laughs> That's the thing. To say you don't like the company and we could go on with it. Or a couple of weeks out for the World Rumble, it's going to be Drew McIntyre and Goldberg. No, I do not think Goldberg is going to defeat Drew McIntyre for the WWE title. Yes, I could be pretty wrong. Goldberg, defeat, defeat. I get it. I, I get all of that. At the same time, I am not going to shit on somebody if they are excited that Goldberg's back. I am not that fan. I'm not that broadcaster. I'm definitely not that podcaster. So if you don't like Goldberg, cool. That's your deal. I'm not going to begrudge you. If, there's, if you like Goldberg, I'm happy for you. For me, at the end of the day, I'm happy that wrestling is still going on right now in the midst of this pandemic. And that's what a lot of you guys seem to forget because you guys are so fucking fixated on booking that you take this stuff for granted. You take wrestling for granted because you try to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to these shows when you've never worked in the wrestling business. That's just the God honest truth. I'm going to wrap up this segment this week by talking about what happened last night on NXT New Year's Evil. I got to see one of my dream matches last night. Killer Cross against Damian Priest. The Battle of Awesome Entrances. And, of course, we got Lake Michigan Waterfall, uh, Scarlet Bordeaux at ringside. So that was always a good thing. These two beat the crap out of each other. Cross one, um, you know, nice sliding lariat to the back of Priest's neck after doing the uh, Tuesday Saido suplex. Uh, Killer Cross defeats Damian Priest to kick off the show. That was an awesome match. I thought Santos Escobar and Grand Mets League had a, a barn burner for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, Santos Escobar is still your NXT Cruiserweight champion. I kind of dig the new entrance for Exile Lee. Uh, it's going to take me, me a while to get into her offense because. It's just a lot of kicks. It, I'm not always a big fan of the wrestlers that try to act like they're MMA wrestlers when they're not. So, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give some time. But I do like her edges, though. It does look pretty cool. We had Rhea Ripley against Raquel Gonzalez at the last women's standing match. If you guys haven't seen that match, go check it out. Uh, Rhea Ripley is a star, and she needs to be on Raw or SmackDown. And that's just a... That just needs to happen. And then we had the main event. It was um, Finn Balor against Kyle Riley Part 2. Uh, this show had an overrun. It was a launch show to type out. But uh, Finn Balor and uh, Kyle Riley brought it again just like they did in their first match at NXT TakeOver 31. And I really, really enjoyed covering that match. So um, overall, man, New Year's Evil was a top-notch show. And I really enjoyed it. So... That's what's going on this week in WWE. We'll see what happens with SmackDown. We'll get more analysis as far as who's entering the World Rumble matches and uh, what will be the world title match for the Universal Championship at the World Rumble. All those answers will be answered pretty soon. So that's what happened this week in WWE. After this final water break, when we come back, I'll be reviewing 
New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 15. Right here on the Hoops Podcast. Back here on the Hoops Podcast, ready to review New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom 19. Not, not 19, uh, 15. <laughs> 19 would be four years from now. Holy moly. I'll be 30 by then. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom 15 took, down, uh, took place at the Tokyo Dome, obviously, uh, on Monday and Tuesday mornings. It was a long couple days for your boy. Also, fitting in my work schedule at the tattoo shop that I work at for my uncle's tattoo shop. So, I really haven't had a lot of sleep this week, guys. So, I'm really pushing through with today, today's show and making it as best it can be for you guys. But, um, man, doing, doing media work, tattoo work. And moving at the same time is uh, it's a lot, but uh, I'm not one to complain. I I love the grind. I love what I do covering New Japan Pro Wrestling. I love the company. Obviously, I talked about it last week. It was just a fun show to break down, and I, there's never been a Wrestle Kingdom that I never liked. Uh, this is the seventh one I've covered in my career, and... You know, the two-night event thing is very uh, something to get used to, especially when you have to wake up and stay up to like 5 o'clock in the morning to cover these events. But, you know, you make the best out of the situations, right? And I enjoyed both uh, nights. I'll say that I could I could have done it without the first two matches on night two, but overall the experience for me I just really really enjoyed uh, Wrestle Kingdom as a whole. I got a question earlier from the Good Brothers Q and A session for Chris as far as what was my favorite match for the event. Um, Chris, buddy, my answer to that question was Okada and Osprey for night one because that match was absolutely insane. There's not enough words to describe how special Okada is as far as being a big-time wrestler in big-time matches. Uh, you know, I remember JBL calling John Cena big match John. It's the same thing here with Okada. Okada's definitely one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And what he did with Osprey was just absolutely phenomenal. I, I've covered a couple of Osprey Okada matches uh, from G1s and stuff in the past, but it was never anything like this. This match was special. This match was off the charts. It's uh, really like I really know a match is good when I could take when I start acting like a fan while transcribing the match. Like a lot of the fan elements in me are long gone with the fact that I cover cover it now for a living. But um, you know, I, that match was just fucking awesome. It, it, that match was really really awesome. I, that's probably one of my favorite Wrestle Kingdom matches I've ever transcribed. I, I would put this one against any of the Omega matches, too. Uh, that match was awesome. You know, we had uh, Hiromu uh, become the new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion after being Ishimori. Um, good match there from night two. Other matches from the shows that stood out. Uh, I thought G.O.D. and Suzuki Gun had a really good tag team match. Uh, G.O.D. are your new tag team champions after a lot of shenanigans. Um... So congrats to Tamatanga and Tagaloa, uh, the real OGs of the Bullet Club. Um, they are your new IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Sonata and Evil was 
fantastic. Uh, big victory for Sonata. He, he's going to be the next number one contender for the I, the, for the double championships. Uh, we saw Hiroshi Tanahashi had a solid match with the Great Okan. Um, I'm still not sold with that gimmick, but uh, Khan had a good showing for himself in the ring with Tanahashi, so it was a good match. And then what else really stood out really quick? Um, trying to remember from the rest of the show. Um, Joe Shingo and Jeff Cobb. My God, you want to talk about strong style and just matches that just make me love New Japan? It was that type of match. I was really dejected with the fact that Ishii did not have a bigger role in this Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not going to lie about that. The guy is one of their biggest stars, and they do absolutely nothing with that guy. It's a damn shame because that guy is fucking awesome. And the guy should not be relegated to six-man tag team titles and being stuck in a pre-show battle royal. Ishii should have been in one of these matches on the show, but... I don't want that to take away from what Shingo and Jeff Cobb did because they had a fucking awesome match. Uh, th- that was probably my favorite one from um, like the mid card matches. That that one really stood out to me. And then let's let's let's, let's wrap it up with this: uh, Naito, Abushi, and Jay White. The two matches they pulled off in, in those two days were absolutely insane and different in their own ways, and just. Amazing storytelling in the ring. And this is why I always say, man, it does not matter what's written on the script. It doesn't matter what you think, uh, how a match should be booked. The ultimate story at the end of the day is told inside that ring. And what Naito, Abushi, and Jay White did, those two nights is something that is very special. Especially the Jay White, Kota, Abushi match on night two. 48 minutes. A damn near classic, and I gotta give the much much props to Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, and Chris Charlton for their call in that match because that was just some really really good action, man. Kota Ibushi is the new double champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Kota Ibushi is declared himself God, so he's the new God in New Japan. The future's up in the air for Jay White. And uh, we'll see what happens with Tessie and Night till next. But overall, man, this was one of my favorite Wrestle Kingdoms that I've transcribed so far. This is my seventh one. Uh, obviously, there would have been a lot more matches if, we did, if there wasn't a pandemic going on. But you can't go wrong with Wrestle Kingdom. It's just a fun event to cover every year. And I love New Japan. You know, this is coming from the guy that supposedly only likes WWE, right? <laughs> I love New Japan. It is a fun, fun time covering that event. But all that being said, we got to get to it. We got to give the people what they want, if you will. The moment y'all been waiting for. A nice restaurant quality edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. We're going to start this bad boy off with Brenda Carter in a 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Before we get into this week's show, I'd like to take a moment to commend All Elite Wrestling for their exceptional job that they did 
with their tribute show to Mr. Brody Lee last week. I thought it was very classy, very well done, and they deserve all the props in the world for putting on a tremendous show. And I'm going to talk more about Mr. Brody Lee uh, when we get to my next segment later on in the show. Um, but I first would like to, again, just commend All Elite Wrestling for their tremendous handling of a difficult situation and props to them for putting on a, 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 remark, a remarkable and terrific tribute show last week. That being said, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, let me give you the summary of the first match of the show that featured the Young Bucks and uh, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels and everyone that was involved with that match. Blah, 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 spot, blah, 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 super kick party, blah, 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 spot, blah, 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 the elite wins. Shocking. Um, it's just, nor it's a normal match. Um, I always like to see Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, but boring match, didn't care about it at all, and quite frankly, again, I just, it's the same old stuff with the Bucks of Youth every single week. Jake Hager, and War, uh, Jake Hager and Wardlow are boring as hell. They need to get Wardlow and MJF away from the inner circle as quickly as possible. And I know I keep saying this, and I say this kind of stuff every week, but it's so true. Get them away from the inner circle and let them flourish on their own. MJF came in and tried to calm down Jake Hager after their match. It's you, you, you just The fans just know, and maybe this is part of what they're doing and... and makes us want to buy in to, to when the hammer's going to drop and MJF is going to turn or the inner circle turns on Jericho. But get Wardlow and MJF away from the inner circle as quickly as possible and let them kick ass and do what they do best. Speaking of Chris Jericho, he is awful on commentary. I thought that might be the one thing that he does well in all elite wrestling, and it's bad. He's the fourth horrible member of the commentary team. The only member of the commentary team when he gets a chance to do it that I enjoy listening to is Taz. Taz is one of the best parts about AEW every week, and we'll get into Taz here in a little bit, but Jericho sucks on commentary. He sucks in the ring. His inner inner circle angle sucks too, and Chris Jericho continues, his career continues to go downhill each and every week. Folks, Sting doesn't do it for me anymore. I just don't care. I just don't care about Sting. And Cody Rhodes had a, uh, 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 sorry, uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, we had the weigh-in with Darby Allen against Team Taz. Taz cuts a great promo, as always, because Taz's promos are fantastic. We get the, the weigh-in with Darby Allen, Brian Cage. We get ready to go. There, it looks like they're going to brawl. Sting comes out, doesn't do anything. He just comes out, scares off Team Taz, and runs away. Like, I, I just don't care. Like, I don't have a reason to care about Sting. He doesn't do it for me anymore. I don't want to see him wrestle. I just, I'm, I, I hate to say it because Sting is, has been one of my all-time favorite wrestlers for a long time, but I'm over Sting. It's, it's time to move on AEW. I just don't care about Sting anymore. Um, speaking of good promos, I, I do want to give John Moxley credit. He cut a great promo earlier in the show as he always does. Uh, Moxley's promos, another one of the best parts about AEW. Not his in-ring action, which we'll get to in a little bit, but and what he does in the ring. But Moxley knows how to work the stick. He knows how to, you know, he knows how to cut a promo. He knows how to use words. He knows how to make you believe what he's saying. So that was great. Uh, but again, well, actually, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, good, good match with Cody Rhodes and. Um, Matt Seidel, I enjoyed that very much. 
Um, okay. I know I keep saying this, but I have to repeat it. AEW stands for anyone except women. The women's match was complete dog trash. And I'm not going to do my best to contain my uh, my language here. Uh, it was just awful. The women's match was awful. Abaddon doesn't do it for me anymore. It's her, her gimmick is over the top. You know, she tried to bite her Karushita, who, you know, on, they tried to do the whole neck thing. She clearly wasn't bleeding from her neck. It didn't affect her performance. As soon as it looks like Abaddon had committed murder by blank, by attempted murder by biting Hikaru Shida's neck, they went to the world famous picture in picture. I mean, it's 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 not believable at all. They had a piss poor match. I wanted to believe in Abaddon, but the character doesn't give to, doesn't work for me. I'm not a fan of her look. I'm not a fan of the gimmick. And now Abaddon is being writ into this written off into the sunset after another less than mediocre match with Hikaru Shida. Again, anything but women. Speaking of which, why is Britt Baker not on television every single week? Single week, She is head and shoulders the best part about the women's division in AEW. And she's barely featured on the program. You see her maybe on Dynamite once a month. She's been relegated to dark. And now we're going to get a talk, talk show segment with her next week and Cody Rhodes. So that's what she's been relegated to is a talk show segment. She needs to go to NXT ASAP as soon as her contract is up. Go to NXT and kick ass as a part of the best women's division in professional wrestling today. Um, the Dark Order should become a comedy group. I think at this point, you know, obviously the the sad news of of Mr. Brody Lee's passing. And again, I'll get into that uh, in my second segment of the show. But you know, I think that the Dark Order has been doing great work with their comedy comedy work as of late. Let them be a comedy group. I think that's fine. Um, I think there are members of the Dark Order that are certainly entertaining. Um, but let them be a comedy comedy group, but keep calling themselves the Dark Order as a part as a tribute to Mr. Brody Lee, and I'd be okay with that. All Elite Wrestling cares more about the accolades of other companies rather than their own, except when those accolades come from WWE. Let's think about this. Think about Kenny Omega's entrance. What was it? Wrestle Kingdom matches. What is, uh, you know, uh, what has some of his other accolades included? Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Um, you know, uh, Tony Schiavone talks about uh, when he took the AAA championship. You know, they've talked about, you know, all these sorts of things. They care about more accolades inside their, uh, outside of their own company than they do their own company. Except when it's WWE. They don't mention former Intercontinental Champion, former World Heavyweight Champion in WWE, former Tag Team Champion, known as blah, 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 blah in WWE. They will refuse to mention WWE, but they talk about every other company. Once again, All Elite Wrestling has no identity. They just they just care about... They, they don't want to create their own identity. They want to ride the coattails of other wrestling companies. Speaking of which... Uh, Kenny Omega may be the most overrated superstar in the history of wrestling. He's all right. I think his uh, his theatrics, his in-ring stuff is over the top. Um, I think that his he, he's a good athlete. You know, I've said this before. Kenny Omega is a good, a good athlete, but his in-ring theatrics are over the top and unnecessary. He couldn't hold the boots of the mid-card in WWE. Think about it. He would look awful in a match against someone like Sami Zayn, Big E, those guys. Then he would absolutely get taken to school with Roman Reigns, The Fiend, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins. Those guys would take Kenny Omega to school. So Kenny Omega is by far 
the most overrated wrestler in the history of professional wrestling, and it's not even close. So anyways, talking about um, riding the coattails of others. So we have a decent match to close the show. Spot, spot, spot. Fine. It was all right. Um, I, there was there were some nice moments in the match. It's clear that they have good chemistry. They work well together. But then it was the stupid death match crap with a barbed wire mat with, with Moxley. Makes no sense to me at all why they would continue to wreck their bodies and hurt their bodies for no reason. And then we see Gallows and Anderson. Uh, with the impact crossover, it was only a matter of time before they come out, you know, do their thing with, with Don Callis, ally themselves with Kenny Omega, fine. Y- the Young Bucks come out, take care of all the folks that are trying to help against the good brothers that have come over. And of course, we get the Bullet Club thing at the end because... All elite wrestling, all they can do is ride off the coattails of internet wrestling marks who don't actually care about a good in-ring product and trying to do something unique to their company. They ride off the coattails of others, and you know they're going to push the hell out of this Bullet Club because they can't think for themselves, and Tony Mark is a worthless booker and a worthless mark of an owner. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Oh, man. Brother Carter, I'm bowing down to you right now. Thank you for that wonderful submission. That last line right there popped me huge. That, oh boy, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Hey, folks, here is the greatest wrestling show on television right now. They do no wrong. Their booking's fantastic. You know, I gotta tell you, the I'm I'm the biggest AEW Mark fan. I'm the biggest AEW Mark for the fact that I covered a two and a half hour pay-per-view on YouTube on Tuesday night with 16 matches. This wonderful wrestling promotion filled with dinosaurs, Money Mark Jones, Stunted Growth, Jelly Nutella, Kenny Olivier. You know, it's the island of misfit toys in Jacksonville. And lo and behold, we, here we are back to business, ready to rock and roll with some wrestling shows. I uh, thought there was a couple of matches, which I'll get to in a couple of minutes, but you watched this show last night, and I asked you this, and be honest with yourself, is AEW really an, an alternative wrestling show? Because if the only thing that's alternative about AEW is the fact that they swear, that's an indictment more than it's praise. Because we've been led to believe that if you have a TV 14 show and you can curse a little bit, that makes you edgy, that makes you cool, that makes you this and that. Does it though? That's my question for you guys. Let's get to the positives first because I am fair bouts here. Like Brett Carter, I really enjoyed the Cody Rhodes Matt Sidell match. Um, I thought it was a good match. You know, let's look at Warlow being Jake Hager. Jake Hager is completely useless. Uh, I will say, though, that I am a fan of Warlow, and it was nice to see him win that match. So even then, I enjoyed that match. Let's see. Any other positives I want to say before we get to this? Um, oh, 
outside of the actions after the main event, you guys may be shocked, may be shocked, but I actually really enjoyed the Kenny Olivier Phoenix match. I thought it was fantastic. It was a fun match to uh, drop down. All right. Oh, also John Moxley's promo, pretty solid as well. All that being said, let's get let's get to what you guys really want to hear. And I really don't know where to start because the whole big thing about oh my god, it's Gallows and Anderson. They're with the Young Bucks. Oh my god, it's Kenny Omega. Oh my god, Hot Top Hot Topic's the biggest company in the entire world. That's the only source of information we got to validate that the Young Bucks are draws. Um, <laughs> hot topics and balls. That's all we got. We got this big bullet club reunion. Oh my god, the 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 sh- the balance of power of wrestling is shifting. It's oh my god, it's it's shaking to its core. The foundations are starting to crack. Give me a fucking break. Are you guys kidding me? Can you not have a more predictable ending to your first show of 2021? Like, honestly, we are a week and a day away from Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill Perry, where we're having Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers against Rich Swan and the Morris City Machine Guns. You really tell me that you're surprised that Gals and Anderson were on AEW last night? And, oh, let me guess, the Morris City Machine Guns are going to pop up next week. Am I really supposed to be shocked by this stuff, guys? Like, really? Oh the oh the young bucks are we got the real bull club back. The real bull club is still in New Japan. For those that want to be accurate and keep score at home, the real bull club is still in New Japan. But we'll play along with this. We'll play along with this elite stuff, and we got Don Callis there who thinks he's God's gift to wrestling booking and ideas when he's not. Um I just started laughing. I wasn't even upset with what I saw at the ending of the show because it's predictable. It's AEW to its core, and Burkhardt said it perfectly. They placate to marks. They placate to snarky wrestling fans. That's the only thing they care about. That's the only audience that they cater to because that's the only audience that's going to show up and watch this shit. Let's be honest. You look at social media, and, and you'd be amazed where the people that tell you that AEW does absolutely nothing wrong. They're like completely Teflon Jones. By the way, another positive here. Uh, one of the few, few, very few things I enjoy about AEW is Team Taz. I like Taz. I like his group. But let's get to the other problem on the show. We have the Darby Allen Brian Cage weigh in. Okay, we're doing a way in for a TNT Sun match. Fine, no problem. But out comes Sting and doing the same exact thing he's been doing for the last six weeks. It's Sting! It's Sting! And you know when I hear that? When Tony Schiavone screams it's Sting? I say, who cares? Because I already got the hint of the idea that Sting's going to be managing Darby Allen, And that's okay. But do something different. Do something out of the box. 
Just because you're on TNT doesn't mean you have to have reruns of WCW angles. Like, I know a lot of you are obsessed and butthurt over the fact that Nitro is gone and you want to relive your childhood and your teenagers. And that's cool. That's your deal. But Sting coming down to the ring every week in snow and with the baseball bat, and I know how his gimmick works. Trust me, I know how his gimmick works. But doing the same shit for nearly two months now is getting old. Do you have anything more interesting to say than just to walk out every time T-Taz has a segment? It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. Who cares? And also, how about this? Next week on Dynamite, we're going to have the Inner Circle's New Year's Resolution. Well, let's see. Let's let's run down the list here. We've had a Ladina demo shit. We've had a town hall meeting. We've also had other talking segments uh, uh, as far as, um, you know, whether the inner circle is going to break up or not. And we got the ringleader, the COVID god, who's still trying to make up excuses and stuff about COVID-19, which is so fucking stupid. Chris Jericho, by far, is still the stupidest person in wrestling today. It's not even close. You would think I'd say Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, but I have comments for them in a couple of minutes. But this this is to uh, Chris Jericho. Dude, you need to go home. You need to go home and stay home now. Your Twitter game sucks. Your wrestling matches suck. Your commentary sucks. I'm sick and tired of watching you on my television screen. Go the fuck Home. Now. You lack empathy. You lack self-awareness. You're not good as you were anymore. Get Go home. You're doing a disservice to the company that you're working for. I'm so tired of Chris Jericho and I'm sick of the inner circle. Just break up the stupid group already and allow Santana Ortiz to be the talents that they are. This group sucked since the beginning. End this shit already. For the love of God. And then finally, I do I do want to say if you're gonna have Snoop Dogg if you're gonna have Snoop Dogg on your wrestling show, wouldn't you think it'd be good business for them to, uh, for him to be on commentary? But no! It's AEW, so we're going to have Snoop Dogg pretend to be Art Anderson doing his Matt Nagy stick, holding a play sheet and stuff. Okay. The last thing I want to mention here for what the hell is wrong with AEW this week is something that's very important when it comes to my field. It's something that's really been bothering me over the last couple of days. So... You guys know the deal on Thursdays. Brian Alvarez has certain schedule tweets about ratings. So last week, while we're honoring the life of Brody Lee, he decides to put out a tweet saying Brody Lee with the number of how many people watched AEW last week. And that was the final straw for me. I've never seen a guy more inept in this media realm than Brian Alvarez. And what he did last week with that post was absolutely disgusting to me. You're using the name of a recently dead performer to prop up your prop, you prop up your narrative about television ratings in a wrestling business. 
I don't know how much lore you can get to that. But this is also the same guy that said and tried to downgrade the, the severity of Roman Reigns' leukemia. Like, Brian Alvarez just is a complete and other... Uh, I'm not going to say that word right now. I'm not in the mood for it. I... <laughs> whatever scum is lower than scum, that's Brian Alvarez. I can't stand this dude with the life of me. And him and Dave Meltzer have done more damage to professional wrestling and wrestling fans than anybody chooses to acknowledge. But nobody's going to cancel them because we're, we're stuck with this outdated, snarky outlook on life and... Did, they're the standard bearers, you know. The culture of wrestling is represented by the people that you put on pedestals. And a lot of you put Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez on the pedestal. And guess what? You get the coverage that you get. You get the vibe and the negativity that you get out of wrestling today. Because of those two assholes. And that's a reflection on you guys putting them on pedestals. And that is what the hell is wrong with AEW. Assholes. Alright, we're going to wrap this bad boy up right now. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with you truly. Uh, we had a lot of fun today uh, recording this podcast, the first episode of 2021. Make sure to uh, like this, like the video on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. It comes to you free of charge every single week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Also, Impact Wrestling, stop airing these shitty-ass Tony Khan paid ads. They're brutal, man. They are absolutely brutal. Um, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com as well. If you could, please do that for your boy. And, um, yeah, I got a couple uh, shows I got to cover this weekend. We got the first New Japan Strong Show of 2021. Be doing that. Also got... Uh, Impact Wrestling's uh, Genesis pay-per-view coming up on Saturday, which I'm looking forward to covering that. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. And, yeah, make sure to check out ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. Oh, by the way, I'm on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, Instagram at JoshyLopez94, J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94, also at Josh Lopez Music. And uh, with that all being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself, and remember, you are dictating the pace of your life and nobody else. Right now, this has been episode 239 of the Who's Podcast. So right now, we're going to send it off to the one and only Brother Carter for a brand new edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. I'm Joshi. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me this week. Have a wonderful weekend. This has been episode 239 of the Who's Podcast. We'll send it out to Brother Carter with the Dots of Derrico. We'll talk to you guys next week. I love y'all. Yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that's going to get your new year off to a kick-ass start. It is the Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Before I get into this week's topic, and I mentioned this in my previous segment, I'd like to take a moment to expend my deepest condolences and sympathies to the family of John Huber, also known as Mr. Brody Lee, who we lost a little over a week ago. And I didn't get a chance to talk about this 
uh, last week. I didn't have a chance to submit anything for the podcast for last week's show. But, uh, you know, one thing that we need to remember is that, you know, when we come on these types of shows and we, you know, we, we, we critique the, the performers and, and, and the product and stuff, we never critique the people. We never critique who these performers are as men, women, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, uh, sons, daughters, you know, we, we, we don't do that. We just, we're just simply there to, you know, give our opinions on, on the thoughts of, on the world of professional wrestling and what we think is going on with the product and the outpouring from superstars, the fantastic tribute show that AEW did last week, the, uh, the outpouring of tributes that have come on various WWE programs. You can tell that this man was loved, that John Huber was, was beloved by anyone that had the opportunity to know him. So just know that my thoughts and prayers are with the Huber family as they go through this difficult time. And I hope that for them, uh, life will get back, that they can adjust to their new normal as soon as possible. But man, what a crazy and just awful way to end 2020. However, as one year ends, another one begins. And that's what we had starting this past week on SmackDown. We The first show of the new year. And I thought it was a pretty good show. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns continue to to bring it in every way possible. I think that they are absolutely fantastic. As you know, Roman Reigns comes out, is going to do something with management. Kevin Owens comes out. Uh, actually, no, Roman Reigns says that he clearly, everything he touches turns to gold, which is true. Kevin Owens comes out. Their feud continues. Uh, Owens beats Uso later in the night. And then Roman Reigns and Jey Uso just beat the hell out of Kevin Owens. And I, I, you definitely think there's another match coming between them at Royal Rumble. I don't know if it's going to be a hell in the cell or what they're going to do with that or if they're going to get someone involved. I don't know. But um, they're going to do something amazing at the Royal Rumble. And I cannot wait to see it. I think it's going to lead to a return of another superstar allied with Paul Heyman. But that's just me. Uh, a lot of tag matches on this week's show. Uh, I think this show was just about showcasing... A lot of different wrestlers as we get into as we get into 2021. Again, mostly tag matches this week, except for the the main event. And I thought all the tag matches was good. Um, they're gonna get they're gonna set up the feuds in the future, which I which I'm totally fine with. I think that all that's gonna lead to some great stuff down the road. Uh, yeah, and, and again, all the tag matches I thought were were great. I enjoyed all of them, and we're gonna get to some great stuff going on. I still want to see Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro go to do something else and to be individual superstars again i still think cesaro needs to go to uh, nxt uk but um but again a great match great action all this week on smackdown and then of course a great ending and i uh, to the show and i definitely think that we're going to be looking forward uh, we're, we can look forward to uh, some great stuff in the future from all of these superstars leading up into the royal rumble and we're going to see some very cool stuff uh going forward Getting into Raw this week, uh, we get we had the Legends show this week, and these shows are always fun, you know. We we and I know that they need to start setting up some stuff for the Royal Rumble, and that's fine. Um, but you know these these kinds of Legends shows where they bring back a lot of folks, these are always fun. So you can't really take them, in my opinion, anyway. You can't really take them at face value. Like, oh my God, this is going to be the greatest wrestling action that we've ever seen. It's not going to be that, you know. We know it, and there's going to be some funny spots and spots with legends and, and the new and the old talent interacting with each other. So I, I think that that's, I, I, it's fine. And so 
Uh, you know, I'm not so worried about that. We saw we got to see a lot of great legends. We got to see you know uh, Hollywood Hogan, uh, Teddy Long doing his thing with the uh, doing the Undertaker thing, and then making a tag match. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then we got a great match with Miz and Morrison against uh, the New Day. Uh, let's see, AJ Styles and Elias had another good ma- had a good match. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to have a program going forward. We'll see. Uh, I thought that was all fine. Uh, let's see, <laughs> Angel Garza. Uh, you know, and I'm just going here. I'm trying to you know remember what happened with the show. Um, Angel Garza meets Alicia Fox and Mickey James. I thought that's hilarious. Um, I we need to see more of Alicia Fox. I think she's absolutely fantastic. And from what I read, uh, Twitter was blowing up about how happy they were that they got to see Alicia Fox. So maybe a return for her in the future. You never know. Um, <laughs> I love Slick Rick, man. Old school Slick Rick. Oh my God! He cost his daughter the match to try to get uh, get some from Lacey Evans. I thought that was just hilarious. Oh my God, that was funny. Oh, I love Slick Rick. Oh, that was great. As soon as he as soon as he tripped his own daughter, I started laughing. I thought it was hilarious. Um, so great stuff from that as well. Um, again, I still say I think it's kind of weird that they took Peyton Royce away from this amazing tag team to put her into. A tag team, but I hope that that leads to something else uh, down the road. And I know I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Randy Orton, uh, what can you say about Randy Orton? I thought his his, his um, programs or his segments with the legends were all right. They were they felt kind of forced. They felt kind of a little tribe. I mean, it's great work. Don't get me wrong. Randy Orton is one of the best in the business, no question. But I thought his promos uh, with the legends were okay. Um, you know, they, they were a little bit forced. They were a little... You know, it just didn't seem as authentic as Randy Orton could be. And then uh, he had his match with Jeff Hardy. Uh, I thought they were going to do more with that, but it was just a you know win, clean win over Jeff Hardy, and then they're going to move into whatever they're going to do with The Fiend going forward. But uh, it's cool to see the legends he interacted with, cool to see him with with uh, uh, Big Show, Mark Henry, Ric Flair, of course. So all of that was great. Um Looks like we have some dissension in the Hurt business, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Riddle gets the win over Bobby Lashley after Bobby Lashley makes Riddle tap out, but doesn't actually make him tap out. Tap out, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, not quite sure what, can, what we're going to be seeing with um, Shayna Baszler going forward. It looks like she's got her problems with uh, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, let's see. Okay, now let's get into the main event. I want to talk about this a little bit. First off, Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee have potentially a match of the year candidate to kick off the year. Unbelievable. Folks, Keith Lee is special. Keith Lee is special. There is no doubt about that. He is a special, special talent. And what he can do for a big man and the way he cuts promos and stuff Keith Lee is a big deal, and, I, and I'm all in on Keith Lee. I think he's absolutely fantastic, as is Drew McIntyre. There's a reason why he won Superstar of the Year for 2020, and I think he and, and I've said this many times. He deserved that accolade for carrying the company last year. So absolutely terrific. They put on a classic. It was incredible, and all, all it was just absolutely great. So I enjoyed that their match very, very, very much. And then we get to the ending of the show, and certainly the most controversial moment of the show. When Goldberg makes his return, now from what I read, and I thought that the timing of this segment was a little awkward, but from what I read, they had to quickly get it in there. Uh, from what I read, uh, Drew McIntyre was supposed to uh, insult the legends a little bit and disrespect them, causing Goldberg to come out 
and eventually hit a spear on McIntyre to close the show, but the, of the timing didn't work. And you know, the, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, so fine. Cause when Goldberg said disrespecting the legends, I kind of went, well, I don't remember Drew McIntyre disrespecting the legends. So that didn't make sense to me. So uh, I, I, I just, the, the ending of this just, I, I wasn't a fan of the ending. And, and, and Josh and I may disagree on this because um, I'm recording this before uh, I get to hear his takes on this. So Josh and I may disagree on this, but I wasn't a huge fan, honestly, of, of, the, of the whole Goldberg segment. If you want to do, do a Goldberg-McIntyre match, which I'm actually not a fan of, I, I don't really want to see that. Um, and I love Goldberg, don't get me wrong. But if I'm going to say that, and, and, I'll, and listen, I'll just say it. If, I think, if I'm going to say that Sting is older and, and, and shouldn't be wrestling, I'm going to say the same about Goldberg. You know, if, if once you get past your point and you start to have these matches that don't exactly work. And I, know you're, and I know you're dealing with a different age group, and I get that. But at some point, you just got to say, okay, that's, that's enough. So unless they're doing this to, to give McIntyre a, a win over Goldberg, one of the true legends and one most unstoppable forces of all time, then okay. And McIntyre can work, no question. He can he can help get Goldberg through the match, no question. So it's it's I, I understand the pairing, but I also don't want to. I also don't want to um, be the type of person that uh, that 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 is biased and that you know that that will exclude one person from a category because I don't. If I'm going to say the same about Sting with AEW, I'm going to say the same about Goldberg. At some point, you've got to shut it down. And I, I just I I don't really want to see this. Um, and I, I, I worry that the match could end up being a train wreck and we could get something of like what we did against the undertaker. And I just, I just don't want that for Goldberg. I don't want that for McIntyre. I don't think this is a good idea. So I, I, again, unless they're leading up to something past the rumble. Okay. But again, I just, something about this doesn't quite, doesn't quite line up to me. So we'll see what happens. Maybe it was just a challenge and it's not going to actually come to fruition. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, but I'm, but I am skeptical about this Goldberg and Drew McIntyre thing. And those are the thoughts of Derrico for this week. Uh, my final thought is it has been a chaotic 24 hours uh, in our in our country, and this 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 is this podcast is being released on a Thursday. So this has been a twenty a chaotic 24 hours for the United States of America. If you're not listening, if you're not from America and are and are listening to this then you've certainly seen what's going on in the United States of America where, where, where I live and where we're recording this. So it's been a chaotic time. Um, I just ask folks that we love each other, be kind to each other. Um, we can agree to disagree and that's okay. But at the end of the day, we're human beings and we have to love each other, care about each other, and remember that we are one human race. If you're American, you're, we are one nation under God, indivisible, and I, and I whole hope, hope wholeheartedly we can remember that phrase indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And I, and I really, I really want that for all Americans and all people around the world. Love each other, love your neighbor, love your brother, love your sister, love everyone that you meet, keep wearing your mask and know folks, we're going to get through this. Peace and love. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.